0: Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago is your audio guide through the landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. On December 14th, 1972, astronauts Gene Cernan and Harrison Schmidt were sitting in their lunar module on the lunar surface. Greetings,
1: are clear, America. This is Challenger. We're coming up on 210
0: from liftoff. They were about to take off and come back to Earth. They knew they would be the last humans on the moon for some time, but they didn't know for how long. Outside their lunar module, a specially designed color camera was rolling, ready to capture the lunar liftoff. A similar camera was used to try and capture the liftoffs of Apollo 15 and Apollo 16, but the mechanism meant to keep the spacecraft in frame as it ascended failed each time. Here, on Apollo 17... Was the last chance to get a good shot. Proceeded. Three, two, one, the ignition. Right away, Houston. It worked flawlessly. We can watch as the awkwardly shaped ascent stage of the lunar module takes off. The camera pans upwards as the ascent stage gets smaller and smaller, then disappears into blackness. Then the camera pans down the lunar surface and the lower half of the lunar module come into view. It's captivating. The hills of the moon rolling out into the distance, the blackness of space just above. This is the moon, without humans, but where humans have left a mark. As of this recording, Apollo 17 was the last time humans left low Earth orbit. But here's the thing. The landing site hasn't changed since 1972. That camera is still there, and when we visit again, the site will look identical. Since humans left the moon, there has been nothing to disturb the site. The moon has no atmosphere. There is no wind to bury the astronauts' footprints under dust.
1: These are pristine. They're the only human sites in the history of humanity that haven't been trampled over by other humans, haven't been rained on, so forth and so on. So they are uh, distinctly pristine.
0: This is Michelle Hanlon, a space lawyer who volunteers with the organization For All Moonkind.
1: Hello, my name is Michelle Hanlon. I'm a space lawyer. I've spent about 25 years practicing corporate law in the United States and around the world, actually. And last year, I went to McGill's Excellent Institute of Air and Space Law and earned my LLM in space law. I was incredibly intrigued by the idea of preservation in outer space and the fact that nothing has been done at this point, up to this point in time, to preserve our first footsteps on the Moon.
0: Now the day goes by where I don't think about those landing sites on the Moon. Michelle Hanlon and For All Moon Kind are designing the legal framework to protect these sites. For All Moon Kind is an organization that believes that the United Nations should act formally to protect and preserve those sites and all our human heritage in outer space. For Michelle Hanlon, these first footsteps and missions aren't a distraction from human progress. They are human progress.
1: If you look at all of humankind's sort of momentous um, achievements, um, when, we, when we harnessed fire to, to use to cook, when we realized, okay, we don't have to be scared of the water, let's build a boat and travel across it. Oh, we have time to to now cultivate art, or we're going to take those beasts and domesticate them. Those all happened at a point in time. We don't know when. When did humans become spacefaring? We know exactly the date. We know exactly the time. We know exactly where. We can go back to that. We can pinpoint that very moment in history, and go back and see and learn about ourselves at that moment.
0: So before we get too much further into protecting heritage sites on the moon, what is the framework for protecting heritage sites on Earth?
1: On Earth, most of uh, cultural heritage protected protected at a national level. Um, every country looks at internally at its own stuff and decides, oh, okay, we want to save this, this is a national parks, the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia. Um, but the United Nations and the international community recognize that cultural heritage is a global um phenomenon, whatever, even if it happened in the United States, it's a human step forward, a human evolution um, from the first steps in Tanzania and the, the Ngorongoro Conservation Area all the way to uh, the launch pad um, at Cape Canaveral or in Russia. The, United, the international community came together and created uh, the UNESCO World Heritage Convention, and it encourages countries to Uh, protect their own cultural heritage, and in some cases, uh, the U.N. will contribute funds to help preserve a cultural site. Uh, The key thing about becoming a UNESCO World Heritage Site, however, is that a nation itself will submit a nomination to the U.N. So, for example, um, France maybe would submit Lascaux and say, you know, these are the case in France. We think they should be considered uh, cultural World Cultural Heritage We can't do that in space. No nation is allowed to have any sovereign interest in any uh, property, in real property in space. Um, And so the United States can't go to the U.N. and say, hey, look, here's Tranquility Base. Um, We think it should be um, a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Because by doing that, the the United States is implicitly saying, oh, we own this and we're going to nominate it because we consider it our property. Um, That is just completely violates the Outer Space Treaty.
0: The Outer Space Treaty was signed in 1967. The treaty is focused on nation-states, and it doesn't address commercial exploration. Now that commercial exploration might be the primary way humans get into space, the idea is that the rules should be updated to account for this new reality. Anything you send up into space is still your property. There are about 70 landing or crash-landing sites on the moon. Each is worth a visit. The Soviet Union's Luna 2, for example, is the first man-made object to crash-land on another celestial body. But the Apollo landing sites, including the Apollo 11 site at Tranquility Base, are special because there were humans on board. Imagine the American flags you see in pictures from those missions, bleached white because of radiation from the sun.
1: It's very likely that the the flag itself is bleached. Um, Whether it was knocked down or not, I think it remains... um, Un, uncorroborated. I believe uh, Buzz Aldrin has said he, he kind of thought he saw it go down. Um, I don't believe we've had the opportunity, even with um, uh, rovers uh, flying over, to to see if it's if it's actually standing or not. But the field is going to look um, as desolate as as when when they were there. Um, there will be uh, things like urine bags, things they tossed out. There's um you know, the messages of peace, which is a disk the size of a dime with the messages from seventy four nations, um, really really touching messages, everything from you know one country saying you know if if you if you live out there, we come in peace to others saying, you know this is an achievement recognizing uh, the achievement as as a human achievement, and everyone all every single one of those messages talking about peace for humanity, that was supposed to be left on the moon. Um, and it almost wasn't. It was one of the things that uh, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong said. Oh shoot, we didn't leave the disc, and basically tossed it, you know, over their shoulder as they were leaving. Um, so there will be a a, a path or a, a debris field, I guess, is is what um, archaeologists would call it when when they are uncovering a civilization. These are things that were tossed out that weren't going to make the trip back. Um, but other than that, it, it will look eerily like... I mean, it will look exactly like it did when uh, Buzz and Neil left.
0: So what are the proposals for a visitor center or a museum at Tranquility Base?
1: So it's it hasn't actually been bandied about that much um, with, with a, sort of a realistic view. A lot of people have um, built conceptualized moon colonies and said, oh, and this will be the museum. Um, there's a course at USC on space architecture, and a professor there, sang um, Velu, and he had a class that actually worked on, okay, realistically, what could we do? Because, you know, we, do- we don't want people stepping there. The regolith is going to um, ruin all of the footsteps, even if you're, uh, you know, 10 meters away, whatever. And they came up with a brilliant concept of a gondola. And so, huh. You would be you would start at some center and you would take a gondola around to all of the heritage sites, including Luna, and then you drift over the sites in this gondola, and then you're treated to a a virtual reality experience. And I understand they do this in Lascaux. They've recreated the entire cave, so everyone can see what it's like um, without actually doing damage to the cave. And so you would recreate. You would see them from above in person and then actually go feel like you were stepping on them um, in in a virtual reality museum kind of setting. Um, I've actually heard people talking about uh, using a system, uh, not a, uh, drones don't work on the moon yet, but I'm sure someone will figure out a way to get something that can hover without um, inter- uh, disturbing the regolith and, and just taking... Pictures of the entire thing and recreating it so people here on earth um, can get the experience without actually having to go and that you asked about whether I thought I would make it um, i I think my sons will make it um, i I sadly don't think I will, um, but my hope is that at the very least we would be in a we would be able to go and send the right people up to c- recreate that experience truly recreate it here on Earth. At Forum Mankind, we're actually going to try and do it um, as part of an experiential awareness campaign um, to a, a virtual reality dome, and you walk in and you think that you're stepping on the moon, and there you see the footsteps and so forth. But that's all sort of going to be an artist's conception of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can get the right photographs, we can people can actually just recreate, you know, dust back by dust back, what it would be like to stand there.
0: So what is the story that the Tranquility Base Museum will tell? It seems to me that the story of humanity's exploration is much more compelling than the specifics of two American white guys who are chosen for their faith and their ability to look like an everyman.
1: Uh, You look back and realize they really did it 50 years too early. You know, the fact that we haven't been back in 50 years means they really did something incredible. And, yes, they were two white men from a Western country, but they really affected the world. One of the um, pure joys of what I do here at For All Mankind has been uh, um, researching and people, you know, people from Mauritius, people writing letters to Neil Armstrong, just in awe. I have a classmate from Mauritius, and she... Uh, She dug up an article. This guy, he built his own ham radio so he could hear. He used to go to the uh, U.S. consulate every day to say, you know, what are they doing now? Did they go? What's happening? It really uplifted. It had the uh, ability to uplift everybody in the world. Those footsteps are still there untouched. Uh, Maybe there's some, you know, meteor dust, showers, whatever. But right now we've been lucky. They haven't been hit, but the base, Tranquility base itself, hasn't been hit by a meteor or any other space detritus. Um, and and that that footstep is is like humankind's first steps, uh, walking erect. It's it's such. It, it has to be saved because when my grandchildren are in space and on the moon on the way to deep space, I want them to see those footsteps and and think, Wow, look how far we've come.
0: This has been Museum Archipelago. We hope you enjoyed your visit. For more information or to submit feedback, go to museumarchipelago.com or museum underscore go on Twitter. Next time, bring a friend.